You're listening to Let's Talk Business, the business podcast with me, Susan Smith, broadcasting on air on 94.6 for Ross FM and live streaming on Anchor FM on the podcast itself. And we now have a wonderful person on the line all the way from Canada. Uh, it's Kathleen Black, the elite coach and mentor. Kathleen, you're very, very welcome. Thank you so much for joining us here today in Ireland. Oh, I'm excited to be on the show. Thanks for having me, Susan, for sure. You're more than welcome, Kathleen. Kathleen, just from reading your bio, you've had an extremely successful real estate career, which we're going to talk about in detail now, hopefully. Um, But just a few questions going back a little bit. You were entrepreneurial during your younger years uh, from reading that when you had your first house as a single mom, you rented out rooms to pay the bills. Uh, Do you think you were born with that natural drive or did circumstances push you to become so driven? Oh, great question. (laughs) Yeah, you know what? I... I, I have to say it, it was interesting to me that something was posted on social media and I have quite a few friends from my younger years, from elementary school, you know, just when I uh, started kind of as of eight and older and, and they were talking about, you know, this drive and a couple of them came on and said, no, 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 like this isn't new. You've always been this way. Like you've always been determined. You always had a vision. But I think when I was younger, it played out differently and sometimes got me into trouble um but i think that the combination was i always had a big ideas and i love to try to kind of orchestrate them and whether that meant we were you know three hours late for school doing a, a tour around the back streets who knows <laughs> um but yeah i left home um young and and you know like lots of people growing up it was difficult my parents divorced it was a very very messy divorce very difficult um home situation and I think leaving very young and going to university on my own and my father passing away within the first month of university, having a son. I mean, I think I had more than enough um, to have the perfect recipe of needing to apply some determination to make sure that I would have some power and voice in my life. Because if I didn't, it could have went in a very different different direction very quickly. Absolutely. Um, And sorry to hear about your father also. Um, So can you talk to us a little bit about how you got into real estate and purchasing your first properties? Well, it's interestingly enough, it was um, just kind of uh, by accident. Yeah, it was a complete accident. I came back from university um, and I got married and my husband uh, was very involved in his, at the time, his first uh, property. And what started with that ended up to be multiple properties that we bought, um, gutted, you know, uh, got one unit good enough to live into and then moved into it and then continued to do that. Several properties later, we were a little bit tired, but um, some friends called us the no money miracle because then, I mean, you could get financing with nothing down and really leverage once you'd put renovations in. So, I mean, we took massive risks, but it allowed us to get into the market and we were young enough and determined enough that we were willing to put some sweat, a lot of sweat equity into it. Um, And that's how I ended up to get my license because we really found that real estate agents that were around us at the time just didn't understand the numbers or our needs or how to quickly assess um, investment properties that would actually be uh, produce a monthly income because all of ours did. Uh, And and at least in um, Canada, that's not as common um, in the major cities anymore. So um, that pushed pushed me with young kids to get my license. And I didn't really intend to go out and and sell, but that's exactly what I did. And I got busy very, very quickly and, and I loved it. 
Um, so yeah, the first property was, was just to, to, you know, make it, uh, literally gut it to the studs and make it into a triplex. And then the pattern went from there. And Kathleen, you, um, I'm not sure if you were alone or with your partner, but you did all of the work yourself on these properties. How did you stay motivated and get, keep up with the energy to take on such enormous projects like that? Well, I mean, I was I, I was lucky that and you know my my uh, partner, my husband, we were probably two alike is what happened, and I mean both very determined and uh, amazing. Looking back, I mean, just we didn't know it, but amazing work ethic. I know it now. I didn't know it then, um, and I give that compliment to, to him for sure. But he was kind of a tool of uh, you know a master of all trades or whatever the word you would say, not literally, <laughs> but he could do everything, and I did all the property management and jumped in to paint, you know sand walls do anything that that was really needed and you know just kind of tug the two kids around with me so I mean our life was lots of people probably listening who've done this understand you know <laughs> you're going to the the home renovation store at night and you're working all day and you're showing units to tenants and you're you're hustling right um, so luckily he had an amazing skill set he taught me a lot and I brought the skill set of the you know property management the leases showing the units that came very naturally to me um, so I covered that side of things for us. And then, of course, our children, which, you know, takes a little bit of time, too. OK, and there, there's pros and cons of working with a partner in any business. But unfortunately for you, do you feel that the stress of doing everything yourselves contributed to ultimately to your divorce? Oh, absolutely. It, yeah, absolutely. It was it was a huge amount of stress. Um, on top of that, I mean, my ex-husband is um, involved in, um, you know, public service, like and he had uh, a firefighter and he had several uh, very, very difficult calls within a year um, prior to our divorce. And I mean, the stress of the properties and um, and his career, I'm sure, combined, and the fact that then I was I was selling top one percent real estate by that time. So we had all these investment properties. He had his career, I had my career, and we had two little children. So I definitely learned a lot that you know there there is a limit, and you have to be careful where you hit it. And him and I drove each other, which built that life, but it also ripped it apart. Right? There's pros and cons to to all strengths. Absolutely. And how did you pick yourself up after after the divorce, Kathleen? Honestly, I, I did what I know how to do. I put my head down and I worked. <laughs> That's what I did. Anything else would be a little bit of a lie. Um, you know, I, I had the kids and I look back and I and I think about it and I tell people that, you know, I do a lot of work with values and, and it, it upsets me sometimes to look back at the areas of my life and still realize that some at some of the periods where I really picked myself up and I had the most growth, I, w I still had those points where I was motivated by fear. And personally, I don't really like that. I don't like that feeling of am I going to be okay you know I've got these two kids I'm on my own um, it was a very messy process there was no support like it was just you're on your own sink or swim so I put my head down and I sold real estate and sometimes my kids you know had to come with me and sometimes there were long nights and I, I had you know an envelope with with checks from the brokerage because we used to still get paper checks and because I was just so nervous about the situation and so intent on having power and being able to support my children, I would keep, you know, a minimum at the time. Now it doesn't seem as much, but a minimum of 30, 35, 40,000 in checks just in an envelope in my purse at all times because 
it gave me kind of an old fashioned uh, security that, hey, like I've got a buffer, I'm okay. You know, even if I don't have anyone else to rely on, I can rely on myself, I'm all right. So uh, working through it for me um, is something I've done several times when I've hit, you know, difficult times in my life. And I'm thankful for, for work ethic because, you know, if you can count on yourself, you can get yourself out of anything, even when other people don't believe you can. And uh, I've seen that with my clients and definitely with myself for sure. Wow, you seem like an unstoppable force, Kathleen. And, you know, you became self-sustainable very, very quickly, but you've achieved some amazing things with the company Remax. Can you talk to us a bit about that? Um, well, I was with, yeah, I was with Remax. I, I sold real estate for now for almost 10 years. I've, I've done um, coaching. So I actually coach um, team development in North America. So I've actually worked with uh, individual top uh, agents who've built full mega teams now who are top 1% nationally. So that's, that's been the, the really, um, that's been the biggest investment in my real estate realm to date. Um, with Remax, I sold uh, real estate very quickly, got busy. I worked with a team, um, became top 1% for the volume I was doing in Durham, in our Durham board, and also for in the Toronto Real Estate Board. And the Toronto Real Estate Board is uh, still the largest real estate board in North America. So I'm very proud of that. I'm actually one of their uh, featured speakers in their conference in a couple of months because of you know the the massive amount of success with team building. So it's it's nice to come back and really contribute to the organization that I was able to build my um, or the board that I was able to build my uh, career with. That's fantastic. And, and congratulations for your achievements there as well. Um, so you're you are an elite coach yourself. But can I ask you, have you had coaches yourself throughout your career? That's a great question, you know, and it's 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 an interesting question because, um, you know, every it's funny, people talk about archetypes, right? And people talk about in business, and there's a reason I'm saying this to answer your question. People talk about, you know, the idea that, you know, someone in business, they'll say they're a shark. And I, I talked to somebody about this a couple of weeks ago, and I said, you know, if, if any animal that you could be equated with when you're starting in a new industry, not when you've developed yourself, right? Not not when you're out in the field, but when you're in a new industry, when I was new to, rent to renovations, when I was new to investment properties, property management, new to selling real estate, the best thing that I could do at that time was to be a shark because what I did was come in and observe what everyone was doing. I took it all in, I didn't say anything, and people always thought, you know, who's this kind of shy, quiet, you know, young lady at the time, because I was a lot younger, but, um, you know, who is this kind of person who's not really speaking up? And I'm just observing everything. And I do that for good reason, because once you observe everything, you can see the best practices and take it in and apply it. And that's what I've always done in any new area. So I've had, when I got into real estate, I mean, the coaching and training I had to come onto a team, I mean, it's, it's like... 10% fraction of what we provide people coming on teams now. So did I have people who gave me a little bit of guidance? Yes, um, nothing compared to what, what we've built. So I haven't had, I've had personal development coaches, um, coaches who support me in mindset, like neuro-linguistic programming. Um, I have trainers that I now affiliate with, with my company um, for that. But I did not during my building years actually at that time have a coach because I was developing systems and content even at that time that I later took to, to what I do with coaching now. So I would say 
for anybody listening, kind of going, you know, coaching um, is a worthwhile investment. Like many of my clients, when they started with me, some of them, I made more money than them. Some of those same clients make like four or five, six, 10 times what I do now, even with growth because of the businesses they built with coaching. But for myself, I'm kind of a lone wolf and I read a lot of books and I listen to podcasts and I listen to videos and I go to a lot of personal development. So I would say I have very strong mentors around me. I don't have one specific coach right now building my business because we have, you know, several projects we're putting out. So. Okay, so basically you're learning from everybody you meet in life anyway. So everybody you come into contact with who's doing something right can be, in effect, a, a coach themselves. Um, can you talk to us about something else here that I think many of our listeners are probably not aware of? Um, during your busiest times, you actually delegated a lot of your uh your tasks to virtual workers. Can you talk to us about how this has helped you and the importance of virtual workers in, in your own business? Um, I, I think, you know, it's, I'm very much of the mindset that as soon as I get bottlenecked with something that I'm feeling a little bit of stress with that, okay, who else is going to be better than me at this project? And it's taken years to develop that skill to the extent where I feel confident doing it. And I feel confident with communicating what I need to make sure that it's a product I can stand behind. Um, I would say for, you know, for me, it's about understanding what are my unique strengths, what am I great at? What what earns our company the most amount of money if I'm doing it? Because I support multiple people. I mean, I have multiple coaches who work with us. We have multiple, like you said, virtual offsite people who rely on us. And I need to make sure that I'm putting myself in the position to drive the company forward. So we have amazing offsite support when it comes to marketing, when it comes to our database. We have a massive uh, database platform that we work with. Um, when it comes to marketing, we have amazing uh, content copyright support offsite. I'm probably forgetting. Oh, we have graphic design offsite. Like we have full teams of people who are supporting our message to go out in a congruent way. And I mean, I would say five years ago, was I in a position to leverage it as much as I am now? I don't know. I wasn't ready to. So I think now I'm fully in the mindset that it's an amazing feeling to have people around you that you fully trust their capabilities and that they believe in your vision. And it takes a lot when you're building a business to get to the point to let the people go who do not believe in your vision and who are not towing their weight and to actually build a dream team that do. And and I, I have that and I can say we, we would never be this year where we're at or where we're going without the offsite leverage that we're doing. Like there's no way that I could ever hold the capacity that this company has myself. I would hold us back without those people. Okay, so Kathleen, you now own the company Kathleen Black Coaching and Consulting. Are you speaking on the world stage or do you speak at events around Canada? Um, where can people see you? Yeah, great question. No, we, we um, our company is, is international. I mean, we do consult calls for people in real estate or building business in any country in the world. Uh, you know, we have publications throughout all, all really like South Africa, Norway, into Europe. Um, we definitely are, are set for international uh, systems and expansion because the, the principles of business expansion really, uh, you know, some of them are, are um, 
the same regardless of most markets. But we'll be speaking in Realtor Quest, which again is the the, the event for the largest um, real estate board in North America. So we're very excited about that. Um, I run Ultimate, or our company runs Ultimate Team Summit, and that is the largest team-specific summit in real estate in North America. So we're very proud of that. We run that in Niagara Falls, Canada in November. And we also run a hundred deal plus masterminds. So anybody selling real estate, if they have a team that sells a hundred homes or more per year, those team leaders come to an elite intensive in June, which is an ultimate hundred deal plus mastermind. So we will be there. Um, we're working with Century 21 Canada. We were in Manhattan a lot, couple years ago with our training, but right now all of our training, uh, main group training systems are all online. So okay. they're accessible to anybody who's looking to plug into the principles of scaling franchise concept, you know, how, how to really expand your vision, your voice um, to multiple people. So that's on our website. It's www.ittakesit.team, um, www.ittakesit.team and all of those events and um, online courses are there. Okay. And how can people contact you personally online if they want to get in touch regarding coaching? Yep, for sure. Uh, if you go onto that same website, you can request a consult call at any time. You can also do an instant business assessment if you are in real estate. Our services definitely are not limited to real estate by any means, but we do have a specialty there. Um, we have a, a pretty long track record there. So they can email um, uh, me directly at Kathleen at KathleenSpeaks.com. So that's Kathleen at KathleenSpeaks.com or go to our website and like I said, get a whole bunch of other resources and social media, um, we're all over it. So I'll be sharing this podcast when it comes out. But if you search up Kathleen Black, uh, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, LinkedIn, <laughs> you know, we're, we're everywhere. You look on social media, put our name, you'll find us. You're there. <laughs> it's in your face. We're there. Snapchat, I'm still it's not my fave I still struggle with it but all the rest we're, we're still there <laughs> Kathleen it's been absolutely fantastic uh, listening to you but unfortunately we're just coming up to the end of our interview now and I could actually listen to you all day but could you give any budding entrepreneur who's starting out what would be the piece of advice that you would give to them um I on I, I think at the end of the day the the most you can cut it, you know, 10 ways sideways, right? But at the end of the day, I mean, to be an entrepreneur, you have to be committed and you have to be prepared to take risks and to implement. And you have to realize, and I'm saying it this way from experience, not from, you know, preachy or judgment. It's, it's yeah. from experience that... The, a lot of people around us do not have an entrepreneurial mindset. And you know what? Thank goodness, because if everyone were entrepreneurs, we'd probably <laughs> like eat each other alive. <laughs> so, you know, and I and I think I'm thankful because I have people around me who are different personalities so I can have perspective and support. But often the very people we think will support us or be on our side won't. And I kind of equate it to, can you stand in a completely dark room or can your world go totally dark and you can have the utmost faith that you know where you're going and even if it's gonna take 60, 90, 120 days, let's say it's gonna take two years, like I'm gonna stand here and I'm gonna do what it takes because I know at the end of that 60, 90, 120 days, two years, the vision I'm working towards is gonna come to fruition and no one else has to see it. When you can survive that struggle of going, I'm on my own, I have nothing, I'm about to walk away with nothing, how much do I believe in this idea? Am I willing to bet everything on it? 
when you have that battle of self and you say, yes, I am all in, it doesn't matter if anyone else is around, that's when the world shows up and supports you. But the idea that you can be half in as an entrepreneur or you can kind of do it, it it's the competition's too fierce and you're not committed enough to do what you need to do to get your dream. Forget about what everyone else needs to do. So to me, that's the most important. Can you stand in a dark room and still have the light from within of what you're doing and hold it with faith? when times are tough. Cause if you can do that, you probably have the best resili- resilience you're going to have in business building. Wow. That's absolutely excellent advice there, Kathleen. And thank you. And our listeners will be very, very happy to hear that. Well, Kathleen, we're just going to the end of our interview now, but I just want to say a very special thank you for coming on and speaking with us today. Absolutely. Thank you. It's my pleasure. I'm so excited to be able to connect with people, uh, your listeners in Ireland and with you, Susan. It's been such a pleasure. And it's been a pleasure for me too. And hopefully I'll chat to you again soon, Kathleen. Take care. And you're very welcome back to Let's Talk Business, the business podcast which features entrepreneurs from all over the world and people in all areas of business. And every week, as you know, we have our chef section on the show for all you foodies out there. And um, we've just spoken to Hugh McGivern, but now we have the legendary Raymond McArdle. Ray, thanks very much for joining us again this week. Thank you, Susan. You're welcome. Uh, this this week I've decided to do uh, Guinness brown bread because I'd be asked for this recipe I think on the daily, every day somebody asks me for this recipe. Really? Yeah, it's very decadent, it's soft, it's it's home really as well, you know. Mm, Sounds delish. Right, so um, this makes three loaves of bread. If, you know, you can wrap them up, freeze them, take them out another time, but it's a super recipe. Uh, 750 grams of wholemeal flour. Try to get the coarsest wholemeal flour you get in organic better taste better 750 grams of self-raising flour which will keep it light 125 grams of melted butter one pint of guinness two pints of buttermilk which will give us a nice richness 125 grams of sugar two tablespoons of salt three teaspoons of baking powder for the aeration 300 grams of dark treacle and it's very simple. You put all the dry ingredients together, mix them really well, and then start adding the wet ingredients like the Guinness, the buttermilk, the melted butter, and the treacle. And you, it's an all-in-one mix, and you mix it all together really, really well. Put it into three greased non-stick loaf tins. Set the oven for 170 or 175 degrees centigrade, which is about gas four. Okay. Put the mix, divide the mix between the three tins and then get some porridge oats, put them on top and then cut a V down the middle so that makes the bread rise evenly. Then put it in the oven for about an hour and after an hour, turn it out of the tin. If it's still a wee bit moist, you can put it back in the oven without the tin. Some people like the outside of their bread very crispy. Yeah. I like to do that. I like to put it back in the oven so it's got a really nice texture and crunch. And I put it back in there for about 78 to 10 minutes at the same temperature and then cool it on a rack for at least an hour before you cut it. Okay. And that's it. And if you really want to use it for something luxurious, I like to serve some nice creamed white crab on it with chives mm. and some lobster mayonnaise. 
or you can just toast it for breakfast with marmalade. It's so versatile. It sounds incredible, Ray. And you know, I'm going to have to start eating food before I come in here to interview you guys because I'm always so hungry when I'm doing these interviews and it doesn't help. Yeah, but the best food in the world is the simplest. Well, this is it, really, you know, and uh, I wouldn't have thought it was so easy, but um, that is a recipe, and I know I always say this, but I'm definitely going to try that myself because um, you can. I mean, you can make it without starch, um, but it's sort of, you're not really going to get the masses of flavour start off in any way. It's just there in the background for a bit of bitterness. A bit, a bit of a hint. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, Raymond, that's a wonderful recipe. And thank you again for joining us on the Let's Talk Business show. Um, and I look forward to speaking with you next week. You're very welcome. Thank you. Brilliant. Thanks a lot, Ray. I'm very well, Susan. Very busy. Uh, planning a lot of stuff, which I'll tell you about later. Excellent. And, uh, yeah, keen, keen to go. Keen to go. So, so, Hugh, what recipes have you got for us this week? So, this evening, we're going to do classic chicken satay. The reason why I'm doing a chicken satay is because it's high in protein and everyone's looking towards getting their, their summer body on. So, the, 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 <laughs> yeah. the recipe is in two parts. The first part is called, I think, called the Trinity, which is really important in a- Asian cooking and ca- Caribbean cooking. So, we shall do that. We shall start with that first. Sounds delicious, Hugh, and I'm looking forward to learning how to cook it. Good. Shall we go <laughs> ahead then? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Right, so the first recipe we'll do this evening is called the Trinity. So we'll get three ingredients, three main ingredients, so you have to add a little bit of oil to it as well. So the first thing you need is a good piece of ginger, probably weighing about 50 grams. Just give it a wash, chop it roughly, put it aside. Then get three cloves of garlic. Seems quite a lot, but you're going to use this in different things. Take each, take the bulb of garlic, crush them in your hands, press them really hard, the cloves will come apart, then peel each clove individually. Put it into the ginger, then get three chilies. Just take the heads off from the green part, chop that roughly, seeds and all. Then put all that into a little food mixer, a little food blender, and chop them all up really fine so it becomes a paste. Add to that about a teaspoon, a teaspoon and a half of sesame oil and about 100 millilitres of cold water. So you blitz it up until it becomes a paste. That's your first thing. This can be then scooped out. You can put it in an ice cube sorry, an ice cube tray, and freeze them individually. So if you need one for your cooking, whether you're making a curry or an Asian dish or a Caribbean dish, you can just pop one of these out and put it in your food. So now that you've got your trinity, we can crack on and make the chicken satay. Now, I always use chicken legs. Chicken legs contain more protein than a chicken breast. So if you're clever enough, you can cut the meat off and keep the meat in quite big chunks and put them aside. You also need probably about, so sorry, you need the meat from about three legs. So you take all the meat off, keep them in big chunks, then you need about six wooden skewers. The secret with the wooden skewers is to soak them first in water. So if you cook them on the grill, the wood never burns because it's wet. So anyway, now you've got that. So into your food processor, you put 300 millilitres of coconut milk, 300 millilitres of chicken stock, anyone you like. I use a low sodium stock. 300 millilitres of peanut butter and a big spoonful of good quality curry powder. It's, there's no secret in it. Blitz all that together, open the lid, and put as much of the Trinity paste in as you want. I would recommend at least, if you're going to put it in cubes, two of them, and keep the rest for later. So mix all that up, take it out, add that to your, your what do you put all your chicken 
if he's in a ball and mix it up. You have to you have to prepare this a day in advance. So you mix all that chicken up, make sure it's well covered, cover it with cling film, put it in your fridge. Give it a minimum of four hours, maximum. If you're going to have a barbecue on a Saturday or something, do it on the Friday. Then when you come to make them, take your cover off, get your pre-soaked sticks and put about four or five pieces of chicken on each. And maybe a piece of onion or a piece of pepper or a mushroom in between each piece. So it looks like a big kebab. Get your grill hot or your barbecue hot and stick them on it. And that's it. Turn them every two or three minutes. Each kebab will take about at least six minutes or seven minutes to cook. Don't forget, leg meat takes slightly longer to cook than your breast meat. And that's it. Enjoy it. Have it with salads or just eat it clean off the stick what I do. And that's it. That's your chicken satay. Wow. It easier than that. That's actually incredible. And I mean, I thought there was an awful lot more to a satay than that. But um, gee, that's, no, that no, sounds no. delicious. A nice, uh, a nice summer kind of a dish there, Hugh, I think. I mean, is it any day of the week dish? Well, <laughs> yeah, this is true. This, this is, is true. true. Absolutely delicious. Well, listen, Hugh, thank you for coming on with us today. And thanks for sharing all of your delicious recipes with us. Uh, if you want, you can share your piece of news with us now. I, I won't object. You won't object now. Certainly uh, not. I'm covering the royal wedding. <gasps> what? Harry and Meghan. Oh, so my God. Ne- next Tuesday, a TV crew arrives from America, from Los Angeles. Oh, my gosh. And they'll be, well, be, be staying in my house. They'll be using my house as a studio and using me because I've, I've done a fair few royal weddings and not royal weddings ro- uh, royal dinners and heads of state dinners so i'm quite good at them oh gosh i must be, they keep asking me back to them so i must be quite good oh that's fantastic um, well hugh i'd like to congratulate you on that achievement and i'll certainly be looking out for us anyway but uh well done that's phenomenal thank you very much i'm going to speak to you the next time i'll tell you how, how it all went absolutely i'd be delighted to hear so listen hugh thanks very much for the recipe and the very best of luck with the royal wedding and sure we'll chat to you next week thank you susan have a good evening thanks a mil hugh